Hi, everybody. A quick message before we begin today's podcast. We have just released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. Stay tuned for the end of the episode for more information. Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners to the podcast. So today we are kind of going a little bit outside of our normal like health talk, but I think it's so important because culture and food is so integral to our well-being. So we are going to be talking about food as a means of connection. My guests today, and yes, I have two, I have Cynthia and Joanna. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Okay, ladies. So before we dive into this conversation, I feel like we need to build some context. I'd like my viewers to get to know you. So the first place uh, we'll start off with is, you know, tell us a little bit about you and like, what sort of got you started uh, or interested in food um, and your project and maybe I'll have Joanna go first. Okay, sure. No problem. So my name is Joanna Facey. Um, I am writing a pastry cookbook with Cynthia. And it's a project we've been working on for a couple months now. And I've, I've loved baking for as long as I can remember. I've, I'm not tr- formally trained as a pastry chef or a chef, but it's just something that's always been a hobby for me. Um, I'm originally from the Netherlands. Well, I'm half British, half Dutch, but I've spent most of my life in the Netherlands. I was also born in Norway and lived in Sweden for a little while. So the kind of pastry that I'm most interested in and what that also what the book is about is Northern European pastry. Um, my husband and I moved to California uh, in 2014. Uh, at the time I was pregnant, I stopped my job because we moved halfway across the world. Um, and for me, baking was kind of a creative outlet and something to do for myself that wasn't baby related or kid related. I even took some classes at San Francisco Baking Institute. So, and as I was doing that, um, my hobby kind of evolved into a dream of starting a small bakery. So what I wanted to do was um, basically recreate the, the pastries and the, the baked goods that I remember from Northern Europe that I enjoyed in Northern Europe and bring that to the Bay Area where I was living at the time. And that was fairly unique for the area. There's not a lot of, I mean, you can find Mexican baked goods, you can find Italian baked goods, French baked goods, but Northern European is fairly scarce. So I set up a um, cottage food operation from my home and I was baking mostly for local moms and my local mom community was really supportive. Um, And about a year and a half, year and a half into the business, um, Cynthia came along and said, hey, um, would you like me to help you with your branding? So I'll take a few steps back because I need to explain how Cynthia and I met. So when we first moved to the United States, um, Cynthia was my first friend, basically. So her, her ex-husband and my husband were working together and that's how we got together. And she was so welcoming and, and lovely and supportive. And she's been a, a really great supporter from, supporter from the start, but she's also really a role model to me because 
being a um, female entrepreneur, starting her own photography business. So Cynthia is a photographer. She has a lot of great experience and advice to share about creating the balance between your family life and your work life. And then this hobby that's turning into a business. Um, so she's been really helpful in all of that. So Cynthia helped me set up my, my, my branding. She did the photography shoot for my pastry. And that's when the idea came about like, hey, wouldn't it be awesome to create a cookbook? So shortly after that, the pandemic hit and my business was going great, but pandemics are not good for starting businesses. So that kind of petered out um, over the past, what was it 18 months now that we've been dealing with COVID. Um, but Cynthia at the end of last year sent me a message and said, hey, remember that cookbook we were talking about? Um, let's go do it this year. And I was like, oh, <laughs> really? Um, but she was the push to go ahead and like follow the dream and make it happen. So we've since moved to North Carolina from California. So it makes it a little bit more complicated to work together. But this, our joint project doing this is, is really excited. And we're happy to share it with you all as well, what we've learned from it and the conclusions that we've come to working together on it. Amazing. It's so interesting how, you know, an idea, you know, kind of percolates in there. And then, you know, it just takes the right person with the right attitude to just like sprinkle some water and like, there ain't no going back. Exactly. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Cynthia is one of those people. <laughs> yeah. So maybe Cynthia, you can uh, tell us a little bit like about you and, uh, and then we'll like dive right in. Okay, sure. Well, um, I, um, I'm a photographer, um, mostly a family photographer, and I've been in business for about 10 to 11 years in the Bay Area. My, um, like I might say, my, my first source of revenue is being family photography. However, you know, and be, simply because that's what I, you know, what I was exposed to, you know, being a mom with the kids and that's the community that you are around. However, as I, I have evolved my business um, and my art, you know, I became more in touch with female entrepreneurs. You know, I joined networking groups and I uh, realized there was a big gap um, about, you know, content creation for social media. So I decided to branch out to um, offering uh, branding photography. It's not only uh, photography, but also empowerment. Because once you join forces with other women, you know, it's just an explosion of creation. And, you know, it gets that much better. So I, I truly believe, you know, that, you know, I not only they not only hire me for the images, but also for the force that comes behind it. And uh, so I am originally from Panama. That's why I have that big accent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, I actually married a, a guy from Canada. So I lived in Toronto for a while. I have family there. And, uh, and then later on, we moved to the Netherlands. And I actually lived there for a whole year. And Joanna's uh, husband actually was they kind of left, I'm mean, going to stay in the company when we, we moved to California. So that's sort of like the connection. So when they came and moved here, I had already gone through the experience of moving to another country, not knowing anybody. And I remember, you know, for Thanksgiving and Easter, I used to like kind of host for all the people that didn't have family around. So togetherness, sharing, you know, it's been my thing forever. Uh, and then, um, so, you know, like Joanna described, you know, I've, I've been into this uh, branding. So we had that photo shoot. Came along this year, at the beginning of this year, I actually, I have, you know, I have notes. I set an intention. 
And I told myself that I wanted to get published. I want my images to be printed in beautiful, in a beautiful book for the world to see. And what better uh, subject than, you know, the amazing um, pastry that Joanna create. I, you know, admire her. She's extremely talented. She's detail oriented. Um, and not only that, but also we have very, you know, we, even though we're from two different, completely different places, we have so many similarities in the way we go about things and the way we see things. So I think we've been a perfect match. We, you know, keep each other on, you know, we have this timeline. I love and enjoy working on this project so, so much. It brings me so much joy. So, um, amazing, amazing. And, you know, now here it is coming in, you know, again, it starts with an idea with enough just love and sometimes just a little time and a little bit of circumstance and, uh, you know, it blooms into something, something beautiful. So, um, so let's, let's talk about um, the book. I think, I think we'll chat a little bit about what the book is sort of about. Um, And I'd like to kind of know um, what you hope people kind of gain out of the book. So maybe, um, I don't know how much you're allowed to reveal, like if you guys have names for it or whatever, but, you know, tell us about, you know, cooking, baking, what, what's the purpose of this book? Is it just another cookbook? No. Okay. <laughs> That's not cool. the intent anyway. <laughs> so we're calling the cookbook joy. Um, and I think that's sort of really a key word throughout all of it as well. It's really about, or the intent from our point of view is to take people on a journey of Northern European baking and European pastry, uh, Northern European pastry tradition. And what we really want to do is share our joy around the, the activity of baking, um, the joy of having pastries and the joy of sharing, joy of sharing a sweet treat with a friend or with family um, over a cup of coffee or over whatever beverage you like. Um, so a lot of the book is focused on delivering that kind of experience, um, sharing the joy um, through stories, through personal, my personal memories. Um, a lot of the book kind of follows along my personal history and how I um, learned about different pastries, learned to make different pastries and sort of built, built up that, that skill set. Um, and we really want the book to have layers as well. So it's, it's about we want to share with people and we want people to be able to share their pastry with their uh, loved ones. So one of the things we really want to be able to do is make it interactive. And the funny thing about books is they're not very interactive. I mean, they're love, I love books. <laughs> I love to leaf through. I have an extensive collection of cookbooks, which I love to leaf through, but they're not very interactive. So one thing that we want to do is add um, QR codes. So basically a link between the paper world and the di digital world so that people can see things, see things like a video of me doing a complicated technique or hear a sound bite of how you pronounce this really weird Scandinavian <laughs> um, cookie or pastry that, that just looks like a tongue twister on the page. How do you actually pronounce it? And things like that. So just ways to get a, sort of a more immersive experience out of it. Um, and then the photography is a really important element as well. And I'll let Cynthia talk about that because that's really her thing. But Go ahead, Cynthia. <laughs> well, once again, um, filling a gap is, is so amazing that there's there's so much offering in the world right now with all different things. But the one thing that I haven't or we haven't really seen so far is a book that teaches you how to, you know, elevate the 
images of the pictures you take, of the beautiful things that you take, um, you know, photograph us. So, so uh, we're actually very excited. So not only, you know, we'll have those QR code for, you know, pronunciation on the different pastry and techniques and how to do the, the you know, the Swedish rolls and all of that, but also how you can take beautiful pictures, you know, simply, sim you know, by simply, you know, little photo tips throughout the book also, you know, how to come close to a window. And I, my, my style of photography is actually very simple. I don't use any lighting flash or anything. All I need is light. And that really goes along to, um, you know, Joanna's aesthetic, you know, and, and also, and maybe we can talk a little bit about that, you know, how sweet, for instance, in Sweden, you know, light is very scarce. It's a very, you know, there's a lot of darkness. And the when, winter anyway. <laughs> <laughs> when, you know, summer comes alone and everybody just like comes out. And I, I actually experienced that a little bit in the Netherlands as well. You know, there was like two weeks of sun and like absolutely everything, just everybody just rushes out. Do you want light? Do you want to connect? Do you want to be around people? Um, so it, it's very interesting how everything intermingles. And, and, you know, makes sense to the type of, you know, photography that, I, that, that you know, we, we're offering the user as well. So, um, so I'll be writing a whole chapter on, on photography as well as photo, uh, photo tips around the, you know, throughout the book. And, you know, it can be, you, you'll use something that can help you take a picture and bring it to Instagram and just elevate, elevate the experience. So I, I am very excited about that as well. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's something I think if you look at like the past 18 months of pandemic life, um, I haven't measured it, but I get the impression that people find new ways to share experiences with people and taking a picture of the food that you're eating is a way that in which people do that, right? Like you can't, if you can't have Thanksgiving together, what do you do? You take a picture of your turkey and say, I wish you were here. I miss you. Or if you're finally getting to go out for dinner after being in lockdown for, I don't know how long, you take a picture of your plate and share it with all your friends on Facebook and say, yay, freedom, look at this wonderful meal that I'm eating. So being able to share, being able to share food live and in person is wonderful, but it's not always a possibility. So being able to share food through other media, I think is important as well. And that's one of the things we want to take that sharing, that joy of sharing and take it out on or build it out on all aspects that we could come up with. I, I find kind of the the premise and the idea like really interesting because you know oftentimes we don't know how to pronounce the food so it's like what am I you know it, it, you know you could write it out phonetically but like there's something about actually hearing the the way to say it and I love the idea of um showing like more complicated techniques. And I'm just like, I try not to laugh and giggle in my own head, but um, it made me think of, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but there's um there's a show on Netflix called Shit's Creek. And I just remember um, a scene where they're trying to cook for their family because before people would cook for them. And this made me also yeah. think about like Thanksgiving where, you know, normally mom or dad might be the ones who do a turkey or do the dishes. And you're like, man, I really want to do that dish. And you're like, well, how do I, you know, how do I do it? Right. So having that interactive piece, mm -hmm. teaching people how to make the food, because now you have to make it yourself. But in the, in the, in the one skit, it was like, they were reading a recipe and it said to like fold something in. And they're both kind of mm -hmm. like interacting back and forth. Like, what do you mean fold it in? She's like, <laughs> she's reading it to her son. And she's like, as the paper says, fold it in. 
He's like, but yeah. I don't know what that means. And then they just had this whole skit on like the technique. And it's like, you know, if you've been used to restaurants or you've been used to family dinners where they cook and you want to create a meal, but you don't know how to do it. Like having a, like having that QR code or having that link that goes directly to a video that says, this is what I mean when I say X, Y, or Z. And I would think that with pastries, the one thing I learned about cooking, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is, you know, when you're cooking regular meals, like you can kind of improvise, but when it comes to baking, you actually need to do it as it's meant to be. Like, yeah, you can't mess around with like, well, I'm going to use only, you know, half a cup of whatever it says. Like you have to follow the instructions. Otherwise the bakery good does not work. Is that true? I'm not a baker. So I don't know. There's a lot of science to baking and pastry. So yes, absolutely. But I mean, I think part of the joy of baking stuff is being able to experiment. So also one of the things I'm trying to do in the book is give people like a basic recipe and say, okay, this is my basic recipe for almond, almond cake batter. Now here are 10 different things you can do with it. Or, Hey, maybe you could put some of this spice in there, or maybe you could add some, I don't know, cranberries or something like that. Right. And give people, once you have the basics, you can play around with it. And that's one of the things that I, I love cooking as well. But the, one of the things I love about baking is once you have those basics, you have the building blocks and you can do all kinds of cool stuff with it. So that's definitely part of the book as well. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so I want to talk about, cause I, I, I would like if you, either of you could speak to, cause you, you both sort of lived in, in Northern Europe. I'd like to kind of give our listeners a sense and feeling of like, what, what does, what does sharing food and pastries, because I'm, I'm Polish by background. So <laughs> when I go back to my home country, it's a very different cultural feel of how we share food and how we interact with people. So I think it would be helpful to maybe paint a picture or provide like a story of like, what is it like there? And like, what aspects of that are you trying to bring to your local area? Yeah. You want me to start, Cynthia? Sure. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, maybe it's interesting to contrast it to what I experienced in North America. So I feel like in North America, the pace of life is very much higher or faster than in a lot of Europe. Um, There's a lot of emphasis put on performance and being efficient and really making something of yourself and living the dream and all that kind of stuff. And that's a lot of pressure. Um, That's not to say that doesn't happen in Europe um, because it certainly does. It's it's something, a trend that's happening everywhere in the world, but I feel maybe there's a little bit more balance. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the culture of, through work-life balance. Um, And especially in Northern Europe, so the parts of Northern Europe where I've lived where I come from, um, you don't live to work, you work to live. Um, And I think that's important. And that reflects itself in the way in which people eat as well. Um, There's a lot of um, emphasis placed on eating together, sharing together, taking meals as a break in your day um, to relax and socialize and enjoy your food. what I think we really need to get away from, and a trend that's happening more and more in Northern Europe as well, is I know skipping breakfast, grabbing a quick muffin in the Starbucks, and going about your day, or having lunch at your desk behind your computer when you're working, or everybody in the family having dinner at a different time, standing at the counter because they don't have time to have a family dinner. Um, so this kind of enjoying food or sharing food is something that, like especially in Sweden, we keep talking about Sweden, but Sweden has this very strong culture of um, what they call fika, 
And fika is a verb or a noun. <laughs> Basically, it means um, taking a break from the activity that you're doing to sit down, have a cup of coffee, have something sweet to eat or some other kind of snack and relax and socialize with others. Um, and so you, you, you can have a fika or you can go fika, um, but it's, it's sort of a recurring thing that everybody does every single day. There's fika cafes in Sweden that you can go to do specifically that activity. Um, a lot of offices, or maybe all offices have a specific fika room, which is like their break room where people go and sit down and socialize with their colleagues for a bit and take a break. Um, it's really ingrained in Swedish culture. So ask any Swede, ask them what fika is, they can tell you all about it. Um, but that's, that's kind of interesting though. That's really something that's important to Swedish people. And the Dutch have something similar, which they call coffee tight, which is when you go stop and stop your break your day, break up your day and have a cup of coffee. Um, usually at around 11 o'clock in the morning. And it's the time where also where you could invite somebody to come have coffee with you, right? Invite somebody over for coffee. Everybody knows, okay, it's going to be around 11 o'clock in the morning. We're going to have a sweet pastry and we have a cup of coffee and then we're going to continue going about our day. Um, the Brits have their tea tradition. Um, so all of these, I mean, they're all very similar. They, I'm sure they all come from the same desire to take a break and sit and socialize. Um, but that's, it's, it's something that creates a balance that I think we're losing in, in North America and losing sort of in modern, modern life in general also as Northern Europeans start going faster and faster and not taking time to do these kinds of things. Yeah, that's one of the like main things that I remember you know, when I'm in Poland, um, is, you know, the, you know, there's a time for work and then there's a time to go and, you know, have your coffee. And I just remember like being in downtown Krakow, which is like the old, um, capital city and like all the patios outside always, you know, full, but like, nobody is like in this rush. Everybody's there just to like eat their food, digest their food, Yep. And then they go and I, and I almost wonder to myself if the speed at which we eat may be contributing to a lot of our gut issues. Cause we don't even mm. like chew because it's a matter of like inhale, because I literally have a five minute break. I actually, I do have a question cause I don't want it to run out of my brain. So when you say Fika time, I'm just, you know, it's kind of, everybody understands this sort of like a time and like what the purpose of that is. Do do you find that it's easier to create connections because of that. Like, is it easy to walk up to somebody that you maybe don't know as well and be like, Hey, it's Fika break. You want to have a coffee? Like, does it, does the Fika allow for an ease of creating connections that you may not otherwise have had? I think so. I mean, especially in a work environment, right? Just the fact that everybody is expected to spend, I don't know, a half hour in the morning, a half hour in the afternoon to just take a break and chit chat. Um, if you're sitting in your cubicle with your cup of coffee, that's not good enough, right? You have the ideas to go and socialize with other people. And with, that's how you get to know people, right? I mean, it might not be strangers that you've never met before, but it is an opportunity to socialize and connect and, and be in the moment and enjoy your company. Amazing. And also enjoy your pastry as well. Exactly. <laughs> Consciously. So. Cynthia, I wonder about your experience because obviously you've spent some time there. Like how, how is that experience for you? Well, precisely. One of the things that struck me um, that, that I found really interesting when I lived in the Netherlands was the fact that, you know, I remember the first time I went to a cafe, you know, by a canal 
and I sat outside because people watching is a huge thing there, right? So I sit down and I have a cup of coffee and a pastry, right? And I remember they served it and the lady went away and never came back. And I was like, this is so, because you know, here they just like, come on, let's move. We have to like move the tables. Next customer is coming out. Like there's that rush even in the service. Meanwhile, there, and I found that to be so bizarre. Like, oh, we're just here. She never came back. <laughs> you know, and, then, and, and it's interesting because some so North Americans might think of that like, oh, that's not a good service. But actually, I think it's a fabulous service. It, they're making, you know, a service to yourself. Like just be still and people watch and just enjoy your, your coffee. And, and, and I thought that was really interesting. And, and to that point, you know, that's not only true for um, North, North Northern Europe, but also, you know, the Spanish have the siesta, Argentina, they also have a similar coffee break where they have those little um, de queijo. Uh, Brazil also has that. And, uh, you know, Panama is very hot. It's a very hot and warm country. Yet, the one thing we share with people, especially in the, not, not so much Panama City. Panama City is also very rush, 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 rush. But if you go to the interior where my family is from, you know, you go to anybody's house and they'll offer you coffee. You know, and it's just like, you, you go, they give you coffee, and you sit and share and tell a story. You know, so that's a very, it's actually ingrained in, you know, culture as human beings. You know, I remember even, even when I visited South Africa, we went to this little, you know, uh, like someone's house, and that, they offer you something, and you sit down and you share. So it's, it's really ingrained, but it's ingrained when you're detached from the rush, when you're detached from the big city. Uh, so... In a way, you know, we want to bring this to our brush pace of life, like through this book, you know, and to your point, when you started the, the podcast, you know, uh, you know, a, a page, one of those pastries, like I'm not sure I was saying that that's a lot of calories. However, the peace of mind, the, the quietness, the, you know, just enjoying the moment can actually bring so much more value to your life than the extra calories, just enjoy it, have it. They're amazing. I've had them myself and I can't wait to make them myself also, you know, to, to her recipe. So that that is really a gift. It's a gift to all of you from us. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask about, you know, so we talked about like these moments of connection and sharing, you know, um, I, I wonder if you could speak to, you know, now that you're cooking here and you've shared, um, you know, with friends and family and mums, like, do you find that, you know, food and the sharing of food helps transport us like to a different time? Like, and does, do you find that time does weird things when you sit and share food? I can go first then. Okay, go. <laughs> I'll share I'll share something very interesting, you know, me living away from my home, my home in Panama, is the, the, the moment I get homesick, because I, to this day, after so many years outside my country, I get homesick, I'll guarantee cook Panamanian food. It is a, a way for me to connect to my family, to my mother, to my, it is so interesting what it does, it just lifts me up. And also I find, you know, through, through that experience, the, the, how important it is for me to uh, bring that into my kids' life as well. 
because you know they can go so many years without going to Panama now with the pandemic and all. And the only legacy other than me speaking the language at home is through food. Like, you know, my mom used to make this for me. So I find that to be incredible. So to your point, does it transport you a hundred times? And I mean, it's so true to me. Um, so Joanna can also speak to that. Yeah. The one thing that I think is really interesting about food or food is, so food is a very sensory experience. And uh, you may know this already, but um, of the five senses, the smell is the one that's most connected to the parts of your brain that are responsible for memories and for emotions. Um, so smell is interesting in that way and smell and taste are very closely related. If you um, walk by somebody on the street who's wearing the same perfume that your grandmother used to wear, for example, then that can immediately take you back to, know, to seeing your grandmother, to visiting your grandmother, to doing things with that person that you love. Um, Smelling an old book can make you think of school or going to the library. Or there's very there's very direct connections in your brain between a smell and a flavor and a, a memory. Um, so I think food is sort of a, a really really great way to share um, experiences, to share memories, to trigger things. Whether somebody has been there in the same place as you and shares that memory, or whether you can kind of introduce a new memory, tell a story. Um, there's there's this really close connection between what's going on in your brain when you're eating and smelling food and the emotions that you're experiencing and the, the memories that you're making. So absolutely, I mean, food is, that's, it's one of the reasons why people love sharing food so much, I think, right? It's, it's, a, it's a way to, to communicate with people. It's a way to share your, your memories, your culture, your experiences. So. And I agree with, you know, what Cynthia was talking about, you know, other ways to pass down legacy and heritage, right? The way mm -hmm. I think about, because, you know, again, we have very traditional foods, European foods that, that we make. And, uh, you know, now I'm kind of at an age where, you know, I want to, like, I'm actually wanting to engage with my mom mm -hmm. and be like, how do I make that pickle soup, you know, mm -hmm. or how do I make, you know, the uh, pierogies and how do, you know, like start giving me these, um, uh, recipes, the, the way to, to do this so that, you know, again, I can pass it on to my child. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, again, we can't travel. Like, I mean, I took her to Poland a couple of years ago, but you know, she was two, like, she's not going to mm -hmm. remember though that, that part, but you know, if we can continue, you know, if I can bring that in, that brings the, the tradition and the culture through as well. Absolutely. And that I, I, my, I was talking about my grandmother earlier, but um, she died maybe quite a while ago, maybe 10 years ago already. Um, but when she died, I asked for her stack of recipe cards, the ones that she used to handwrite. And my grandmother was an excellent cook and an excellent baker. And, and I treasure these. I mean, I, I, I treasure the memories of cooking with her and, and learning things from her, but just having these physical objects with the recipe cards as well, they become kind of this sort of nice, it's a, it's a tactile artifact um, that sort of embodies that, that, that legacy that I think you're talking about. The time so I think that's wonderful. Yeah. Time capsule for sure. Exactly. I want to talk about, you, you know, again, you guys can take turns sort of, um, answering, but, you know, I want to hear kind of from your perspective, like, how do you see food as being kind of really important for our health and well-being, like how do you sort of how does food translate into health and wellness for you? 
It's like, um, don't go yeah. all at once. Go ahead. <laughs> it's kind of funny to be talking about that while we're talking about a pastry book. And Cynthia just alluded to it. I mean, like every single thing in the book is like seriously high in sugar and butter and all that kind of stuff. But that's what makes it so good. <laughs> I mean, I keep talking about my grandmother. That's what she used to tell me. Put more butter in it. The more butter in it, the better it tastes. And she's totally right. Um, but I, I don't think that's necessarily an issue, right? I mean, if um, having if you're taking food and you're really enjoying it, you're enjoying, so starting with preparing it. So you're taking the time to understand it, to make, create something, make something, um, um, to build this, this pastry, um, and then taking the time to, um, to really enjoy it and consciously be in the moment while you're eating it um, and share it with other people. There are so many parts of um, the human experience, the social experience, how you, interact with people and how you make your life better or your health better aside from just the calories um, that are involved in, in creating and eating and sharing pastries. And I mean, you, you, like look at the Swedes, right? They have their fika twice a day. They're not 500 pounds each. It's not about eating as much pastry as you possibly can. It's about enjoying it and being in the moment and sharing it. And then you also don't need to eat as much, right? So my philosophy is, and I mean, I'm not perfect. I struggle with my weight as well, especially when I'm baking a bunch of stuff for, for um, a pastry book. But what I'm, what I'm trying to ingrain in my own relationship with food is, doesn't it, it's it's about really enjoying, experiencing the sensory experience of what you're eating, and being aware of that, and not just mindlessly stuffing your face, and then. Um, sharing an experience, uh, sharing the experience of food can be something that's really uplifting and important for your, for your mental health, as well as just to, to nourish your body, to, to fuel your body. Question, because uh, I haven't seen the pastries. I, I can only think of like my reflection when I, you know, am in Poland and when they bring coffee, there's usually like a little pastry that comes with it, but it's usually, it's not like this big, massive pastry. It's usually like a small kind of relatively one to two bite kind of pastry that comes with it. Um, but I, I think also on that what I'm thinking about it as well is like, there's a lot of walking in Europe, like in Poland, for sure, people are walking places. There's not a lot of driving. So you get to kind of work, you get to kind of work it off. Um, but I wanted to say like, <laughs> yeah. they were small bite size and, you know, you enjoy it and then you go about your, your day and it's not about just depriving yourself because of of a calorie like you can you know and if you're I guess concerned or you know there's some health issue you probably don't necessarily need to eat it all the time right but it's nice to be able to enjoy and be able to share that with others because health is more than just a physical thing and I think from a social engagement loneliness is Mm -hmm. you know we don't think of loneliness as having major negative health consequences for people. So social engagement, enjoying life, but you don't have to like, you know, some of our pastries here in North America are massively Mm -hmm. large. I don't know what the, like, what, what are the pastries like typically? Uh, Northern European pastries generally are absolutely right. Are quite a bit smaller than um, American pastries. And in fact, the pastries in the book are all single serving pastries. So 
they're not like a big cake where you have to decide how big your slice is going to be. It's the one little thing that you um, that you can have in one coffee sitting and one take a break. Um, they also tend to be less sweet than American pastries. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of sugar in North American pastry. Um, and you develop a taste for that, right? The more sugar you eat, the more you crave. Um, what the Europeans replace that sugar with a lot of times is um, things like nuts, things like um, um, dried fruits or fresh fruits even, um, butter, lots of butter. <laughs> um, so it's not necessarily healthier, but it's it's a different balance than what you would expect in a in a North American style pastry. And yes, definitely they they tend to be smaller. And they're quite artful as well, right? I mean, if it's not about size, it's about this small little thing and it looks like a little like a little jewel, like a little present. And there's so much joy in just the, it doesn't have to be big to be not, to be great, right? It can just look beautiful and taste beautiful and just be this little treat that you have um, throughout your day. Amazing. Cynthia. Think, yeah, well, I've had her, I've had her pastry baked by herself, right, by Joanna. And I believe, you know, it, comparing I mean, it's not like having a, a box of donuts from Tim Hortons or uh, or going to Costco and getting like a big box of Danish. There, there's certain finesse to the type of pastry that is in the book. Um, size is very important. It almost makes you, you know, it makes you want to indulge in a very positive way. Like I want to like sit down. This, this looks so beautiful because they truly are very like, photogenic pastry <laughs> uh, so these you're are also so a great beautiful. photographer that helps me. <laughs> <laughs> so you know I do and generally like I, you know speaking from experience uh having this pastry you know you just want to like take the moment and enjoy because they, they look beautiful they taste amazing and you just feel good having them all together so that's 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 what I can share with you guys about them so Amazing. Amazing. Um, okay. Well, I, I want to, you know, so we've sort of talked about like the book is about having, you know, having an experience, sharing a story, um, creating an interaction. Is there anything else that's like specific or anything we're missing about the book and it's like message to the world? Well, I, For me, oh, <laughs> I was going to speak to, you, to, to the experience that some people might not realize that they're just getting, a, you know, a recipe and a, and a beautiful picture on the side with potentially QR codes on how to make them. But also, I think that there, there's an added element uh, on, on the stories behind uh, the how the pastries came about in Joanna's life that really add on to the whole experience. Um, she uh, has extensively written little, little stories uh, that define the, the way these pastries were shared in Northern Europe. And I think those are beautiful. And it just adds, you know, like she said, sometimes I buy recipe books just to read them from, you know, top to bottom. But so, and I, I quite frankly, I've never um, saw myself going through a cookbook in that way. But it's really, you know, you just sit and you, and you can probably share one or two stories here re- really quickly about, you know, the, the cinnamon, whatever they have for Christmas or, or uh, anyways, I, I'll let you share that. But I think sure. that's really, really, really different. Yeah. So I think the one that Cynthia is alluding to is the 
gevulde speculaas, which good luck saying, repeating that, we'll make a little sound, out, sound bite of it. <laughs> but gevulde speculaas is a typically Dutch, um, sort of a cookie bar. It's like a, like a um, two gingerbread layer, uh, layers with an almond paste, sort of citrusy almond paste layer in between. Um, and the nice thing about that cookie bar is it's, um, it's very typical for a certain type of time of year. So in the fall, or getting towards the the, uh, the beginning of December, it's St. Nicholas's birthday. So St. Nicholas, yes, is Santa Claus, but the culture is different. We don't celebrate, you don't get presents from Santa Claus on Christmas. You get a present from St. Nicholas on his birthday, which is June 5th. So this is the typical pastry that you eat at that um, time of year. And um, interesting thing about that gingerbread, it has a specific spice in it called speculas. It's called gefilde speculas. Um, and it's almost kind of like, like um, um, pumpkin spice in the United States. It's like that time of year, everything is pumpkin spice flavored. It's the same in, in, in Europe uh, where everything gets a speculas um, flavor. But it's that really typical flavor that sort of just makes you, I'm sure people in North Americans have it with pumpkin spice as well. I mean, it just makes you feel like fall. It makes you want to sit by the fire while it's raining outside after you've had like a long walk through the forest and you're kind of wet and muddy. And you just want to sit with your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and this little piece of gefilde speculas and enjoy it. Um, and those are the kinds of experiences that I, I want to convey, right? Like what's what's special about this pastry? What's what's interesting about it for that part of the world? And what does it feel like? What, is, what do you want? What do you kind of want? What's the experience that I want people to have when they're tasting it? What is the experience that I've had that I want to share? Again, it's all about sharing. It's about telling stories and sharing an experience, sharing a sensory experience. That's amazing. So those kinds of things. And I've got lots of stories. I mean, not everything has a story like that, but a lot of my pastries do. It's just trying to put an image in somebody's head of this. If you were in Europe right now eating this pastry, where might you be? What would you be looking at? What would you be seeing? What would you be hearing? What would it taste like? And how would that fit within the context? Amazing. I, I feel like I, you know, when you kind of, speak to that um and you say like pumpkin spice and like the feeling of fall and like literally like my brain gets is getting like flooded with like images of like the leaves changing Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm in tights with like furry house boots on and I got this like plaid (laughs) plaid blanket curled and I'm like sitting by the fire and I can see the steam rising from my cup and I'm like right? Like my mouth is watering. Like it's so interesting because like just that little description and making that connection transported me into this feeling, even though it's, you know, June 7th and it's ripping hot outside here in Canada. Um, You know, like you've just taken me literally to the fall. So congratulations. Now I'm cold. Um, (laughs) You're welcome. um, That's beautiful though, uh, that, you know, we can do and experience something even from words, from a photo, from a taste, from spices. And I love that that's what you're trying to like convey through something as simple as a pastry cookbook. Yeah, so I think that makes <laughs> it totally unique. So many things you can do with a book. <laughs> I know. Um, so when when is like is the book available? If it's not, when will it be? Let us know the details. Well, uh, our intent is to have the book um, released by November, you know, um, trying to be a little bit strategic and maybe having it be a 
holiday present potentially. Um, that's the timeline for our heart. Um, you know, the printed version of the book. We're also going to release the book in an ebook version as well. Um, and um, that's yeah, the plan. Yeah, that's the plan, basically. Can you remind the listeners again of the name of the book? It's called Joy, and this is maybe something that we could have talked about as well, but Joy, we're spelling it J-O-I with the two little dots on top. So I don't know if you just share a little bit of their thinking behind that. If you've ever, like the, the brand of ice cream called Hagen dazs Yes, 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 yes. So I don't know if you know the story, but Hagen dazs just the name um, makes you think of Scandinavia, right? It looks Scandinavian, but it has absolutely nothing to do with Scandinavia. It's just the way the word is written with the little dots and things like it kind of emote, um, evokes a, a, a response that kind of creates an association. And that's kind of something that we want to achieve with the book as well. So it's called Joy. It's spelled a little bit differently. If once we get to the point where you can order it, it doesn't matter if you type in Joy with a Y or Joy with an I, it'll both work. But that's um, the, the title that we've given the book. Amazing. Where can people find the two of you, follow the two of you so that like they can be up to date so that like when the release comes, I'm sure you're going to like announce it to the world somewhere. So where would that somewhere be? Uh, I guess we'll start with Joanna and then we'll get Cynthia to. Sure. Well, we're both easiest to find on Instagram. And um, uh, Cynthia is uh, more active on there as well. I'm kind of tagging along with her. Um, you can follow me on my the Instagram for my uh, bake shop, which is called Bright Spot Bake Shop. Um, and Cynthia has a much more extensive um, presence on there with her photography. So Cynthia, you can share your, uh, your location. Right. So, you know, Earlier, you mentioned that you hadn't seen these. So I'm actually um, integrating a little bit of having a, a weekly post of some of these pictures that I've taken already on my Instagram handle at Cynthia Apps Lifestyle. Um, and also, um, I, I blogged about the branding session that I did for Joanna that also included some of these pastry at uh, Cynthia, www.cynthiaappsphotography.com. And just for the sake of it, if you want to follow my at Cynthia Apps, uh, to see my other type of emotion sharing, love type of, um, of photography, uh, you can do so. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, I believe the more you share, the better it is, the more people you reach. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> huge for that. Um, and also, you know, I just want to invite everybody, you know, uh, to follow along because I, my intent is to not just come up with a book in November. I was like, here's the book, but instead taking you in the journey of what is being uh, for us to create this is literally creating a baby. You know, we named it, we're like working on it, we love it, we talked about it. It's like it is it's growing. It's really a process. So, you know, I've been sharing in my stories. I actually shared it, you know, or meeting in preparation for, for the podcast, podcast today, a little bit of my story. So, I really invite you all to, sh- to you know, follow along to see how we come up with this uh, baby of ours. So amazing. And yeah. so for our listeners, because that's a lot of handles and a lot of names and a lot of things <laughs> to like get all the spelling and get it all jotted down. So let me make things really easy for everybody. Just go to the description page of the podcast and you will see all the links that you need to see. And it'll make it easier either to copy or paste, click 
and then follow the journey along. Ladies, this has been such a wonderful chat. Like I've been transported to the fall. I've been transported back to my home country. I, 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 you know, I've been transported to your experience and that has just been a really lovely thing. So thank you both for doing that. Thank you so much for having us over. We really enjoyed these, you know, sharing with you guys. Thank you as well. It's great to be able to tell a little bit about our, our baby here. <laughs> I know. Him or her to the world. <laughs> I know, right? And now it makes it real. Therefore, you cannot back out. Um, yeah, we weren't going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, I'll take an opportunity to thank our listeners for joining us every single week. And, you know, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast because you just never know what the next conversation is and where you'll be transported to. So be sure to subscribe and share this out with, you know, people you love to share food with so they can have a wonderful experience being transported through food and connection. And we will connect with everybody next time on the next episode. Bye for now. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for hanging out. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we have recently released a free mini training called How to Work with Labor Pain to Have a Positive Birth Experience. And in this mini training, I take you through what pain is, how labor pain is different than like an acute ankle sprain type of pain. I talk about the three different ways that you can work with pain. And then at the end, I actually teach three different ways that you can work with labor pain to have a more positive birth experience. If you would like to access this free mini training, you can go to courses.ecophysio.com forward slash mini training, or you can look in the description of today's podcast episode At the end of the description, a link will be there for you to get the free mini training. Hope to connect with you there. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.